Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This week, guest speaker Joey Finnell concludes the five-week series entitled Indicator. In this message, Joey shares the condition of our heart in regards to the church. Listen as he challenges us that a desire to share about Christ should not come out of an obligation, but out of a passion about Him. Good. All right. I'm the only one that's excited to be here because I'm talking to myself. Um, I don't know about Bishop. They've been called Bishop. I've always liked Sir, though. You know, watching like Sir Nick Faldo and Sir Elton John. I'll maybe leave that one out. Then Sir Paul McCartney. Yeah, that's kind of cool to be. I don't know what you'd have to do to become serrated, but anyway. Um, real excited about today. Um, the last sermon at this building. I felt kind of privileged to do that. And I asked Brandon when he asked me to preach. I was like, what about the 17th? Why can't I do that one? But there's only one of those, not three. But anyway, I wasn't, he said it wasn't God's will, so I followed my pastor. Um, I'm a little down. Um, just, we had a great weekend. Uh, Kingdom Builders did a local project. Some of our teenagers and adults participated. Uh, about six other churches in our community did. We had about 70, 65 or 70 folks with volunteers um, who just did a lot of work. We did handicap ramps, bathrooms, worked with children at Little Lots Creek, uh, clean graffiti off of the Greenway path out there, and just had a great weekend. But it all started really rough, and it was it's really, I guess, Thursday night. Yeah, Thursday night was the downward turn for me when Pia got voted off. I'm still not over that, guys. I, um, America got it wrong, and um, I'm just not even sure I'm going to turn it back on Wednesday night. I, I just, I, I picked her from the beginning, but anyway, I, I'm just still in mourning about that whole situation. And those of you who don't watch American Idol, Google it, and you'll figure it out. Um, turn with me to James chapter 1, James chapter 1, beginning with verse 22. There are three um, verses of Scripture here, um, actually four verses of Scripture, because we use all of them that are, are, are really just the, the crux of where I want us to spend some time this morning. James chapter 1, beginning with verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, He's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Let's pray together. God, we are thankful for this day. We are thankful for for such a wonderful opportunity to be able to, to utilize this space to be able to worship. And we thank you for what's ahead We have no idea what you are up to, God, but we are following and doing everything we can to be obedient and following the paths and the doors that you've opened for us, and and we thank you for that. But God, today we, we ask that you'll just bless this word as we break it open, allow it to just plunder through our hearts and and work in our lives. We thank you for the love you give to us, God. Amen. I need a, a quick show of hands. How many of you truly feel that you may, even today or one day, be called by God into the ministry? 
How many feel called by God into the ministry? I got a few, few out here. Hold your hands up high. We got a webcam that we're taking a picture of this. Just going to hold it over your heads later on. Just kidding. You can put your hands down. Well, I want you to quote with me the mission statement of Connection Church. All right? If you got a card, it's probably printed on there somewhere. If not, there's, there's only a few words in it. You could probably mem- memorize it. But I want us to say this aloud together. Ready? Connecting unbelievers to God and believers to each other. Let's do it again like we actually care. All right? Connecting unbelievers to God and believers to each other. All right, now turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. If you don't have a Bible, just take the closest one next to you if they're not looking. Or just lean over and tell them you memorized it or something like that. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. A great set of scriptures here that Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus. And something really cool is about to happen in this church. And he's trying to tell them how it needs to be set up. Verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man... To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So if we go back to our mission statement, connecting unbelievers to God and believers to each other, Paul is saying here that some are called out to be preachers and teachers and apostles and all this kind of stuff. And and he sort of changes his his tone a little bit as he gets to the end of this towards 15 and 16. And he says, he refers to the whole body. And we know that some are called out to be preachers and teachers and, and this and that. But what he's getting to is that the church is not just the ministers on staff. The church is not just to be led by these people. The church is the church. So if the church is the church and we are the saints, and he says that the saints are called for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, how many now are called to the ministry? Probably you need to see a few more hands, right? It's not just the people who go, well, I think God's calling me into the ministry like they have leprosy around the corner, you know? I don't know if I'm being called to the ministry. I'm not really sure, but, you know, I'm just going to pump gas until I'm sure. And, and then we get into the other situations that we've divided our world apart that, well, I feel like I'm called to teach, and, but not to the ministry. Like they're two different things. The church is the church wherever it is, not just by the leadership. So back into James chapter 1, beginning with verse 22, we're going to hit three major points in these five verses here. And the first one, let me go back to it because that doesn't 
That's not James, and it won't make any sense whatsoever. It's good. All the Bible's good, but it, it's just not where I was supposed to be. James chapter 1, begin with verse 22 again. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. We are not the holy frozen. All right? What James is saying is you can't just read this or you can't just sit in church and listen and not do something because you deceive yourselves. In the New American Standard, it says delude. Other translations say deceive. There may be other words that even say confuse yourselves. But you can't just sit around and be frozen. We, we get saved and we sit. Oh, that was nice. We come in and we pray the prayer. And uh, God, I, I want to ask you into my life and, uh, and, and I appreciate it. And um, I'm going to lift my hand because they told me to lift my hand. And I'm going to sneak out the back and go pray with somebody. Or I'm going to sneak up here when the lights are off and, and not tell anybody. And then we just sit. Because we have not proclaimed it as God said we needed to proclaim it. So we just sit. We become the holy frozen. Are you moved to action by what you see? Are you moved to action by what you see? I was in, um, in New York City um, last August. It's the first time I'd ever spent any time in the city. I was there for some training. And uh, me and the group that I was with, we decided to go downtown and to brave it. We took a train into town. And we were just walking and kind of doing the, the tour thing and, and going by and seeing you know, the, the big statue, the green one, and then coming back and just seeing all these things. And we get right there on Wall Street where Wall Street comes into the big street we were on, and there was this huge cathedral, just gorgeous, but right in the middle of all these big buildings, huge cathedral. And we walked into that cathedral, and, and people were coming in and out and in and out. And it had this, this bucket up, up here in the front of it, and it said uh, to, to view the cathedral, um, it was like 2 or $3. And I was like, this is weird. I'm going to pay to go look at the church. And so I did because uh, I was kind of in the, the cow line. You know, murmur, we were all just kind of going in. So I dropped my couple of bucks in there and walked in. The more I stood there, I was like, God, this thing is gorgeous, ornate, just beautiful. But I was thinking... You know the people who designed that church, you know, hundreds of years ago, whenever it was built, you, do you think that they planned on it becoming this museum rather than a place of worship? Do you think that they went out and just said, let's just build this and maybe we'll fill it up for a couple of years, but then we'll just charge $2 for people to come look at it? Maybe that'll pay the bills. Probably not. And we don't just go out planning to do these things. But when the church stops being the church and just, just doing church, that's what we'll become. We'll become this empty vessel of brick and mortar that does nothing more than show itself. When we stop being the church and are just doing the church and going through the motions. Our heart has got to beat the same as God's heart. And that's the passion of, of who God is. And that is to seek and to save that which was lost. We ought to be passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. I remember when Lisa and I first met, after she chased me for a couple of years, and I gave in. She's obviously not here at this service. Um, but we began to date in June. And um, right after we began to date, I was going on a mission trip to Germany. And... As I left to, to go on the mission trip, you know, I was, man, I was 
just struck. You, you know how it is, guys. I mean, she had me wrapped around her finger and still does. But I was, and I was just desperately missing her when I got over there. And it was going to be like 10 days, and we had just started dating, and all I wanted, to, I just want to be with her. I was so passionate about being with her. And we get over there, and I open up my suitcase, my bag, and there's this large manila envelope in it, right? Didn't know it was in there because, you know, I don't really pack and go back and double check it. You know, I just like counted the underwear and hope for the best. But I, um, so I get there, and I open this up, and there are, there is a letter or something that she had made for every day that I was over there. Oh, please give me an all. I mean, this, this is really hard to tell. But, um, but while I was there, and uh, old, old Bob Olive, he was with me too on this trip. It was back when we were younger. And um, we, we stayed in this youth hostel bunk bed thing. And every night, I mean, all day long, I would just look forward to getting the next letter open. And it was like this discipline not to just rip all of them open and read the whole thing, you know. But I said, I'm going to play this game right. And I was so passionate about opening these letters and reading every one of them, seeing what she did. And she spent all this time making this for me, and it was so cool. But I was thinking, how often do we really, are we really that passionate about what God's done for us? How often are we that passionate to go out and do what God has called us to do as the church? And sadly, I don't think we are. We're not that passionate. We do what we want to do out of passion, and we do what we have to do out of obligation. This past weekend, I told you we did Kingdom Builders, and I was busy for Thursday and Friday and yesterday all day just helping people get supplies and doing all the things we had to do. And yesterday afternoon, about 1230, we had finished with lunches, and we were doing this out of First Methodist, and they had their soup kitchen going on, and, and all that was going on at the same time, so you know, a lot of homeless people were coming in and eating and doing their thing, and we were trying to greet them. We had some food left over and gave to them, but I needed, so somebody called me, and I needed to get them something right after lunch, and we walked outside, and Lisa and Madeline and Jordan were in my truck, and they were going to ride with me to do this. We were trying to get this group um, out to do another project. So I'm out there, and I see this lady walk out of the fellowship hall, and she walks over, and I hear her talking to Lisa, and she said something about, where are y'all heading? Now, I'm going to have to confess. The first thing that came to my mind when she said, where are y'all heading, was, I do not have time to take somebody somewhere else. It's the first thing that came to mind. And the second, and the third, and the fourth. It just kept coming on. I was like, oh, jeez, man, really? She's carrying these two bags, and, and Lisa's over there, and she kind of walks over. She goes, I'm not, not sure where we're heading, and does what, you know, a good wife does. Let me ask my husband. And um, so she walks over. It's like your kid asking you to go spend the night with somebody in front of them, you know, like inviting themselves to your house. She walks over, and the lady's down there, she says, do you think we can give her a ride? <laughs> no. No, I didn't say that. I was like, I got things to do, but it was going through my mind. I felt so selfish, but finally Lisa makes space in the front seat for her by me. And uh, they get in the back, and, and I said, you know, where do you live? And she said, just right up here at East Parish. She goes, my, I've been going through some treatments, and my, my blood level gets low. And she goes, because i got hepatitis C. And I'm like, whoa, gee, Manetti, what? And I was like scooting over in my truck and thinking, you know, she's not going to bleed on you in the truck. 
But I was thinking about this. Oh, my gosh, where is my passion gone? I'm so busy doing good things for people that I'm totally missing an opportunity with this woman. Totally missing an opportunity to be able to, to love on her and take her where she needs to go. And I, I think my attitude was so bad, God just kind of like just kept piling on the story with the hep C thing, you know. It's like she probably really didn't have it, and God just said, say that to him. You know, and <laughs> so I'm like, golly, where is my, my passion gone? We're no longer passionate. We are when we're younger. We're real passionate about things, just like I was about my future wife, just like we are when we get saved. But we don't do passion anymore. We do coffee now, right? We just go and we sit and we sip our coffee and that, we're passionate about that and, and we, we, we get busy about that. But another story that comes to mind is, is as we do Kingdom Builders, I get a lot of phone calls from our community. And um, I, I shared this Friday night with, with our Kingdom Builders because I, I thought it was very appropriate. I told them I'd be sharing it this morning. But it's when volunteers call the office, all right? And this is usually how it goes. Uh, yeah, I'm so-and-so, and I've got 80 hours of community service i got to do. Can you hook me up with some community service? I'm like, click. Nope. Well, I usually do, but I have something that needs to be cleaned, you know. Or, yeah, i got some coolers that have been sitting for two years with um, animal fat in it that we need cleaned out. Um, I just start getting this, this tension comes across me. I'm like, you you're obligated to do this. Why are you calling me? Go do something else. Or the other one are our you know, service organizations in the community, doing good things, doing great things. But when they call and they start it off with, you know what, I've got to get some hours for my service that I'm in. I've got to get some hours. Oh, really, you've got to get some hours. Well, let me help you out with that. And there's this obligation in their, their tone and their attitude that I have to do this rather than I want to do this. And what really gets me, I say, well, why don't you bring your group over and y'all can clean out our warehouse? And I had a lady actually say to me, will there be anybody there who sees us do it? And I said, Satan will. Um, no, I didn't say that. Um, but I wanted to. He's going to be there hiding in a bucket and he's going to jump out bite your leg off. But this social justice ministry is also what a lot of our churches have gone to do. They do social justice rather than ministering to people, but they call it ministry. You know, it's the, the, the coffee tents and the water tents that you see all over the place, and they're great things. But if we do social ministry without giving them Jesus, all we're doing is saying, here's a glass of water, enjoy it on your way to hell. That's all we're saying to them. If we do social justice ministry without giving them Jesus, they're not going to go anywhere but hell. They're going to be hydrated, but in hell. So if we're going to do these types of things, we've got to share the love of Jesus. We can't just sit here in the church and not do what God's called us to do. I hope I didn't step on anybody. Well, yeah, I do. All right. We leave it up to the big guns in the church. This goes back to the the part where I never had the guts to preach this way when I was in ministry, right? Because I felt like if I preached about, um, it's not about the staff doing the work, then I would preach myself out of a job, you know? And I was kind of concerned about that, so I really didn't have the guts to really preach this passionately. But it's not the job of the staff to seek and save that which was lost. 
It's not their job of this staff, of a wonderful staff we have at this church, to, say, to seek and save that which was lost. It's the churches. It's all of our, our place to do that. That's me and that's you. They're here to really invest in the second part of that mission statement, and that's connecting believers to each other. That's what they're called to do, is to be here and connect us to each other and us to go deeper to be able to go back out there and do what God's called us to do. We're all the hands and the feet of Jesus. We're the Jesus with skin on that goes into the uttermost parts of the earth and shares the love of Christ with them. God's desire is not for us to be obligated to him, but to be passionate about him. God's desire is not for us to be obligated to him, but to be passionate about him. Look at verse 23 and 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. We can't settle for our own reflection because we will forget. That's number two for all the type A's. If you need to have that in order in your thing, I'm kind of the same way. It's the only thing I'm type A about. We can't settle for our own reflection because we will forget. Most churches today, I think, are stuck in a place of enjoying themselves so much that they've forgotten what the rest of the world looks like. You know, is the, is the air just right? Is the temperature right? I don't like the color of the carpet. I want to change that chandelier. Uh, you know, all these things are about in service rather than out service. All these things that are about, do I feel okay where I'm worshiping? It's been an interesting journey leaving the traditional church, going to the contemporary church. And I get people who ask, where are you going to church now? I say, I'm not going to church. I am the church. I'm right here with you. Here we go. We're the church. But people, when they ask where you go in a church, should follow up with, where do you hunt? It's basically the same attitude. Where are you going to church? Where do you play golf? Where do you hunt? Where do you fish? It's all the same thing now. It's just another spoke in the wheel. It's something else that we do rather than who we are. And it's not that as we get out in this world, and, and as the, the text says, that we look in the mirror and we forget about what we've seen, I think a lot of times when we get into the church, we get real comfortable and we forget about what's outside the doors. And that's not because we just are lazy, it's because we want to forget. Because some of us are actually scared of the people outside the doors of the church. It's not that they're the big nasty people we can't be around, they're just preoccupied. They're preoccupied with the things of life. You know, when a sheep goes out during the day, he starts out in the morning, puts his head down, and he just eats. Just goes around grazing and eats. Just chewing and chewing and chewing. And at the end of the day, he looks up, and he's lost. No idea where he got there. And he looks up, and he's like, bah. That's, that's Greek for I don't know where I am. And but he doesn't get up in the morning and say, you know, I think I'm just going to stick my head down and get lost after lunch. And it's the same way with the people. It's the same way with us. We don't get up and just say, you know, I think I might get lost today. We just end up that way. Not because we choose to, but because we're pre preoccupied. 
This is what the world's doing. They're preoccupied with keeping a business going. They're preoccupied with keeping their kids off drugs. They're preoccupied with desperately holding their marriages together. Whether it's our own preoccupation, it does not matter. People just end up lost. It doesn't matter how they got there, but we are to seek and to save those who are lost. We are the church who goes out and says, dude, your head's down and you have no idea where you're going. Come here and let me just show you something that I learned in Scripture. Let me show you something that might help you. John, let me get ahead of myself here. I'll get to John in just a minute. We see ourselves in church and Bible studies. We walk out and we forget. We stop doing what we're called to do. I served in a church over in West Georgia, and I'll never forget this night. Um, I got called to a deacon's meeting. It's always a good thing when you get called to a deacon's meeting. I would usually try to get, like, stomach cramps on the night of deacon's meetings and go, I just need to go home, man. My stomach hurts. Um, but then I, got, I really got stomach cramps when I was called to the deacon's meeting. So I go in there, and, and we had been doing some really cool ministry and a lot of things and reaching some, some kids at, at this church that never went to church. Their parents never went to church. They didn't understand how to go to church. And these kids were different, you know. And I was calling this deacon's meeting, and this older fella, um, I'm not going to give you his name even though he's dead, um, I'm still not going to give you his name. You might be related to him. But he, he's sitting in there, and uh, he said, I, I just need to, need to say something to our, to our youth guy. That was my official title. Um, and he was, talking, he was talking about me like I wasn't in the room. You know, I'm gonna, I need to say something to our youth guy. And I was like, hello, right here. And, um, and then he turned to me. He goes, I think that you need to get those kids to take them hats off when they come into church. I said, yes, sir, that'd be good. I said, but in my stupidity and ignorance, I guess, my immediate comment without filtering or thinking about it was, but aren't we happy they're here? And nobody said a word. I was out on this limb all by myself. And I'm not saying that God strikes people down. But the week after that, this guy got the worst kidney stones I had ever seen in my life. You know, and we were like, in, in the next meeting, we're like, we need to pray for Mr. So-and-so for his kidney stones. And I'm sitting there going, I ain't praying for him. <laughs> I'm praying that I'm getting his stones, eat him alive. And you know what? This is where God convicted me. That joker died that year. He fought, not from kidney stones, but... <laughs> I don't think, um, but he ended up dying of cancer that within the you know, next nine or, or ten months. I'm not saying God strikes people down, but I'm saying that was a cantankerous old man who was more preoccupied with the way people look than giving them the love of Jesus. They don't all look like us. That's free. They don't all look like us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that... I just needed the next word. I didn't even hear it. For God so loved the world that... Huh? He what? His life. 
Keep going. Does anybody actually know John 3.16? There's a word in there somewhere, and it's whosoever. Whosoever. Now that I'm totally confused about how to even say it in my mind, it's like singing the Star Spangled Banner after somebody butchers it. But the word is whosoever, because that's what's in my notes, and I'm going to go with that. Whosoever. We are to reach the whosoevers of the world. I also had a girl in my youth group who came when I was the the, um, youth minister at First Baptist, and she walked in the door, and I promise you, I thought she had fallen in my tackle box before she came in. She had so many piercings that, I I mean, they were just, y'all got it now? I mean, she just, it was like she fell in the tackle box, raised up, and was like, woo! I'm like, gosh, can I borrow one of those lures on your face? That is amazing. There's just so many things hanging off of her. And I'm like, I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you don't go to the swim party with us because you're going to sink. But anyway, they're going to look different. They're the whosoevers. When I was doing a Bible study, um, and we do, I've been doing this Bible study with our football team for 10 years now, and uh, it, it was a hilarious. Um, but we were sitting in this Bible study. And it was really going well. I got about 25, 30 kids in here, black and white and Hispanic, all kinds, none of which go to church. And we're going through this Bible study. And I, and, you know, I have them for about an hour and a half, and I get about 10 minutes of good, solid Bible study. The rest of it is them talking about practice and, and just fellowshipping together and, and, and using all kind of words that you don't usually hear in Bible study. But the funniest one was this kid comes up to me. No, it was actually in the Bible study. It was like afterwards. He goes, he goes, Mr. Joe, I just need to say something. This is the best effing Bible study I've ever been in. I was like, the first thing I did was looked at the door and made sure nobody was in the hallway. But then I, get, I, I sat with that that night, and I was like, golly. That was the most real comment I've had about a Bible study in years. That kid had no idea what he said, but he knew what he felt. But we spend so much time trying to correct those things, we've looked in the mirror and we've forgotten what we've seen. We've looked in the mirror and forgotten what we've seen. James 1.25. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed and what he does. We are the church that stands in the gap and gets people pointed in the direction of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. James 1.25 basically says, read it and do what it says. That's the third point. Read it and do what it says. We can't do that from these chairs. We have to be out there with the lost, with the dying, and with the hurting. I've done more ministry in the past five and a half years than I did in 13 years with the church. It's a pretty sad indictment. But as I was praying through this last night and this morning and in the past few days, I'm not going to say that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I've done more ministry in the last five and a half years than I've done in 13 years of being on staff at a church. And that's not, about, that's not an indictment on the church. That's an indictment on me. That was my attitude and where I was. Not because my passion changed, but because of where I allowed God to place me in the midst of broken, 
lost and dying people. When we go out there, when we place ourselves in our communities, that's what God does. Look at John chapter 17. John 17, beginning with verse 14. John 17, 14. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. And this is Jesus praying. This is his prayer. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I do not pray that you take them out of the world. We're to be in this world, but not of this world. We've heard this so many times. We're thinking, well, I, I don't know about that. I don't know if I need to be that close to the world or not because they might get something on me. If I get too close to that person with all them, them tattoos and them piercings, it might be like a Xerox copier and jump on my arm or something. I think we get to a point where we think it's about um, no tattoos, no piercings. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop hanging around those who do. I'm going to, you know, it's about short hair, long hair, and that's all according to your tradition. But being a Christian and being the church is not about external modification behavior. It's not about changing the things on the outside. The indicator we're talking about today is our heart. What is the condition of your heart? So we go on these kicks and we remove all our tattoos. We stop drinking. We stop smoking. Stop listening to music with bad words in it. No R-rated movies. Congratulations, you're now a socially dysfunctional Christian with a, as a morality chaser instead of a God lover. Don't you want to join me? And people are just lined up behind you, aren't they? They're like, don't tell them about what movie we saw. I've heard people say that. Don't tell them about what movie we saw. He might judge me. It's not about external modification behavior. It's about heart transformation. It's about the condition of your heart. Be in it, but not of it. We think we need to separate ourselves from the world that consists of this big booger man. Just keep me from sinning, God, until I come home to you. Put me over here and let me just stay in my church and I can be safe in here. And if they'll open the doors on Monday and Tuesday, I'll go sit in there too and just keep me from sinning until I get home to you, God. And we even create all these things in our community that separates us from the world. I know I'm going to offend somebody, but I'm just going to have to say it. When we create all these leagues around ball, and we create all these other things that are just the churches, and we're not giving them Jesus, we're sending them to hell without keeping score in soccer. Now, I'm not saying that all churches do this or that all these organizations have done that, but that's what we are saying when we don't give them Jesus and we just give them an opportunity to be safe. We have got to share the love of Jesus in the midst of sharing these other things. Be in the world, but not of the world. Sins of the heart, they still exist. The things like gluttony, oh, whew, that's mine. 
I know I'm a glutton. I love me some brownies. I don't know about y'all, but I love brownies. Pride, judgmentalism. In our Connect group, we've been using this book that's called, um, help me out, Connect group. Respectable Sins. Hate it. Hate the book. All right? Every week, we're sitting there going through this thing going, gosh, why do I feel worse every time I come to Connect group? Because it's about the sins of the heart. It's about the things that we just rationalize. Judgmentalism, pride, lust, envy. All the things that are really good church sins. You know? We're supposed to judge people from the church, aren't we? We're supposed to have a little pride about ourselves. We certainly are going to have some gluttony in our church. We will next Sunday afternoon. We all break bread together in the cafeteria. I'm going to the line twice. I don't know about you. The problem is when we separate ourselves in these stained glass bunkers of our churches, not us, we don't have any stained glass. We got like black plastic glass. It's awesome. (laughs) That's all I could come up with. But when we separated ourselves in these churches, we still brought us with us. Those conditions of our heart, the gluttons, the judgmentalism, the sexism, the racism, the pessimism, all the isms that we don't like to talk about, we brought them with us because we've concentrated on this external modification behavior that doesn't do anything except turn other people away from us. It's hard to change a world that we are not in, but it's harder to change a world that we are the same as. Gluttons, judges, racists, people who lust are selfish and greedy. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 that we are to be the salt and the light. Those are agents of change. Things that change the environment that they make contact with. When you put salt on something, it makes it some kind of good, doesn't it? When you shine light on something, it exposes everything about it. I get this cool light that as I do uh, chaplaincy with the sheriff's office, I always go to our sheriff and I'm like, um, one night we were out walking around and, and looking for this dude who had just broke into an ice machine. Some pretty big crimes here. And um, so we're out there and I have my, my little LED light that I'd you know, gotten from like Howard Lumber or something and I'm shining it and the, and the deputy I'm riding with pulls his light out and it's like, boom, everything just lights up for like three miles. And I've got my light, and I'm like, click, put it in my pocket. I was like, man, I, I feel like a just, man, I'm just going to get in the car and, like, shine the lights of the car. Is that all right with you? So I went to our sheriff, and I'm like, can you hook me up one of them lights? And uh, he did. It's the coolest thing I own, I think. It's really the coolest thing I own. I can turn it on, and I can shine it. I mean, I could bring down airplanes with it, you know? And I, there's even a caption in the thing, do not point this at the sky, Federal law prohibits this. And I'm like, how are you going to catch me? You know, you know, just turn it off and run. And uh, it's just the coolest thing, but it, light just exposes everything. And my light really exposes everything. This pride. The salt cannot stay in the salt shaker, though. It has to be put on the stake. We have to be in the world. And it's not about one big event. It's not about us moving to Statesboro High School next week, and that's going to be the end-all, be-all. Once we get there, everything's going to be cool. We're going to one service. Everything will be fine. We can just coast and grow. That's a lie from the devil. 
It's about taking the salt and spreading it all over the place. It's about me and you pouring salt in the schools and the businesses and universities and and shopping areas and gyms of the lost and broken world. It's about spreading the love of Jesus Christ to all of these people who need to hear it who are walking around with us each and every day. They're not in here. They're out there waiting and dying to hear from us. And they don't even know it yet. We've got to stop doing church and start being the church. It's Christians being Christians in the midst of a lost and broken world. It's not about evangelism night when we accost people in the street. You want to receive the love of Jesus Christ and live with him eternally in heaven? Pray with me. I'll see you Sunday. Really? Do you really think that's going to work? Brandon and I were talking about this before the service this morning. That maybe in the 1950s that worked. Because... As he was saying that people are like an eight on a scale of one to ten about accepting Christ. Now they're like, he said three, I said negative eight. Because they're so preoccupied with other things, they don't care. People would rather not turn off desperate housewives to open their door for you to hand them a track. And they're not going to stop in the street and go, yeah, I'd really love for you to tell me about Jesus. Let me put my beer down. Probably not going to happen. The world has changed, and we have to change along with it in order to reach people for Christ. The gospel doesn't change, but there are evidences in the Bible that things had to change. If you think about the new wineskins, the way we carry the gospel has to change. In that same church with the kidney stone man, I was uh, in a meeting with some other pastors in the area. Oh, my gosh, this was hilarious. There's many times in life where I stick my foot in my mouth, but this is just one of those. And this pastor said to me, he said, Joey, I'm going to be doing some visitation uh, one night this week. Would you like to go with me? Now, he, when he began to talk, he's kind of cut up. I thought he was kidding. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with you door to door. That'll do anything. And he's like, um, yes, that's what I'm talking about. I got this, we got these tracks, and I just like to knock on doors and ask people if they want to accept Jesus. And it's really awesome and, and invigorating. And I still thought he was kidding. I was like, yeah, what, whatever. Is that that doesn't, doesn't work around here, does it? I said, are you serious? He said, yeah, I'm, I want to do that. I want you to go with me. I'm like, nope, I'm not going with you because I don't want to be shot. The first experience I had in Manchester of actually trying to help someone was going to a lady's door, and we had this ministry in our youth group it was around changing um, fire extinguishers for older ladies and men who were uh, by themselves and couldn't do it themselves. So we did this one afternoon, on Wednesday afternoon before our, our youth event. And I get there, and our chief of police is in the choir loft. And I, I walked into the sanctuary just to kind of give a good PR wave, you know, to the older folks in the choir. And um, I get in there, and the police chief gets down and walks towards me. And I'm like, why is he coming down the aisle at me? And he gets to me and says, Joe, I need to ask you something. Um, I had a couple ladies call me today and were real concerned that, that we had some kids knocking on their doors asking if they could change their fire extinguishers or their fire smoke detectors. I said fire extinguishers earlier. People don't have fire extinguishers. Smoke detectors. And, uh, yeah, can we change that for you? But uh, can we change your smoke detectors? And I said, yeah, we went out and do that. I was so proud of myself. He said, you scared some people to death today. And I was thinking... Probably should have given them a track. No, I probably shouldn't have done that either, right? People are not inclined to hear us that way anymore. 
Jesus Christ came into the world to save it, and he gives us power to bear witness. James 2.18 says, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Now, that's not a scripture that goes, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, I'll show you my faith by my works. That's the gospel saying, faith without works is dead. But because of my faith, I have to work. Because of my faith, I'm so passionate, I can't help but go out and serve other people. The world doesn't care about our buildings or our programs. They need to see that it makes a difference. They need to see that the love of Jesus Christ can change their life and make it better. You don't have to be a minister. You just have to be a Christian. We can all be witnesses if we're following after the heart of Jesus Christ. Matthew 4.19 says, Jesus says, follow me. Just follow me and I will make you fishers of men and of women. Pray with me.